Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 522. Um, thank you for coming along. Every time I, I, I say the number recently, it blows my mind that we've been doing it for this long and you lot are still here. I've recorded three episodes this week and one of them, two of them, were real trips down memory lane and I think you're going to really enjoy them. Two previous guests from real early days who I've not really caught up with since, so they're really beautiful episodes. But this week's episode is beautiful too because I'm joined by the one Lloyd Griffith who I think is fantastic. I've been a fan of for a while. As we discuss, it's bizarre our paths have never really crossed massively because we've got a lot of mutual friends, we've got a lot of mutual interests. So um, when I went on the Fit and Proper podcast, which uh, Lloyd hosts with previous guests, Reese James, I thought it was the perfect time to go, Oi, both of you, (laughs) come and and have a go on my podcast because um, I think you're great. So yeah, we had a lovely chat. Lloyd squeezed me in in between fucking arena dates and and becoming a newsworthy gift giving with um, Jack Whitehall, who's another person who's oh, I've been saying. Me and Jack have been talking about him coming on for about three years now. So I really need to make that happen. Um, I've got a lot of love for Jack as well, as we talk about in this very episode. Let's let's get on with the episode, shall we? Before we do, we're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com and we've just added the first new bit of merch in a while and it's the best reaction I've seen to any merch I think we've done. I posted, as some of you know, I'm not really using social media at the moment, but I posted one picture on, or I did one post on Instagram and one post on Twitter and the Instagram one in particular, people were popping off. It got the most likes and love I've had in a minute. So it's new five panel caps that have our we may not be for you and that's fine slogan and they just look really cool. So head over there and get yourselves one as as you, it's important to protect yourselves from the sun. That rhymed. The double syllable rhyme as well. That's that. We're also brought to you by patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pipio where you can support the podcast for just like a dollar a month. I'm thinking of adding a higher tier on Patreon so, so you can get the podcast ad free. Let me know somewhere if that might appeal. I've never done it before because ads don't bother me on podcasts. Like I understand that I'm getting the podcast for free and me listening to the adverts rather than skipping them gets the podcaster paid. And that feels like a dope exchange to me. But I do understand other people feel differently. So maybe m- m- maybe we could add like a $5 tier or something where you get them ad free. But yeah, we'll have a think on that. I'm also brought to you by twitch.tv forward slash Pipio. I'm I'm having a lot of fun on Twitch. Uh, we, we talk about Twitch on one of the upcoming episodes, not this one. And in fact, I've been watching something on Twitch recently. David Earl, previous guest, has been streaming as Brian Gittins or doing. He's made Brian Gittins in Grand Theft Auto, so he's in a GTA public server with other people who've no idea who Brian Gittins is, and he's just in there as Gittins, and it is hilarious. So check that out. That's about everything, isn't it? Lloyd's heading off on tour, and he's just a good dude, and his podcast is great. The episode, in fact, the fit and, we talk about it here, the Fit and Proper episode with David Earl came out the day we recorded this, so I hadn't heard it yet. I then devoured it straight after this podcast, and I was walking around the streets of, of, of my town, giggling like a little child. So, yeah, I highly recommend it. Let's get into the podcast. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 522, with Lloyd Griffith. 
going i'm joined today by lloyd griffith how are you lloyd i'm i'm very well thank you very much for having me this is a real privilege to be on your podcast mate i'm really excited to talk to you because there's loads of things that you're involved in that i'm a big fan of and we've not really had had loads of cross paths over the years no, like i've been really. a fan and aware of you for a long time but and we've got a load of mutual friends and all sorts of things so i'm excited to talk but before we get into it yeah um, just before we got started, you had the notification, <laughs> limited disk space, oh, clear God. some files. What file do you reckon you've got that you always keep in that situation, but you're probably never going to n- need? Because I know the one it is for me. I recorded a Zoom interview with my dad about f- five years ago as research for a script I want to do. And I've never started that script. I've got loads of other scripts in development. I've never started that script. And because it's a video call, and yeah. it was like two hours long. It's quite a big f- file. And every time that notification comes up, I go, no, I should keep that. I'll get rid of the Masters of Angles or my or the, <laughs> the Masters of one of my albums instead because of this random video that I've never I've never got around to using. Well, basically, I'm, I'm about to release a special in the next um, month yeah. or so. And so I keep getting sent the kind of the master of that to look at it. And so um, I think I've got about seven different versions. I'm not sure which version is the most up-to-date one. So I'm panicking not to delete. delete. Yeah. Because also it takes ages to download because it's such a big file. Yeah. So I've just, I've, I have just deleted two of them. And I, I know that in about two hours' time when I go back to a review, I'll be like, oh, no, I've absolutely deleted the wrong That's one. That's the but wrong one to delete. Th- this is the thing when you're, when you're self-employed. You know, you are not just the person that brings in the money, but you are also HR and also your IT as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so every day, you know, I'm not trained to be an IT technician and I'm having to like figure out stuff about laptops and tax and, you know, it it does sometimes get a little bit on top of you, but at the moment today I'm winning. Yeah, I feel you. And uh, again, I completely agree. I was recording a podcast the other day and I've got my basic podcast set up that I know how to use. Yeah. If anything goes wrong... I ain't got a fucking clue why it's gone wrong or what's happening. I had one the other day where their audio started going weird and I'm trying to guide them over the Zoom and I'm like, I'm no expert, but maybe if you do this and do that. And then I unplugged my headphones and plugged them in again and it was only going weird in my headphones. It was completely my own fault. And I'm trying to give tech support and be like, I'm the podcasting guy. Maybe unplug your mic, maybe try that again. The original podcasting guy. I think sometimes as well with this job, (laughs) no matter kind of like what you do, I think people just assume that there's a huge team behind it. Yeah. Like when that, you know, like you you do your podcast and obviously clearly from me doing it now, I just assume that there would be a couple of, you know, technicians setting it up and maybe someone would come around to my house and do my makeup. But no, (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's just... Me and you trying to figure it out. But also, it's like when people say, oh, you're going on tour. So who do you go with? It's like a big team going, no, it's just me and a Volvo. <laughs> like, yeah. I, think, yeah. I think sometimes from the outside, people assume that there is a huge setup. We're going, no, 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 it's just just, just me and my pants. I mean, it's, in it's, a Volvo. It's kind of the beauty of stand-up, right? Like the one time I did a spoken word tour, oh, no, it was, I did a tour to promote a book I had out and um, I did a series of podcasts around the country. And because I'm used to touring with music, not that we have ever had a big entourage, but it would be, yeah. we'd have a driver, sound man and a van. I did the book tour and it was just me in my car. 
And I felt so bad because it's the most I've enjoyed a tour ever. Yeah. And I don't know if that just means I'm really antisocial, but I was just, I just had podcasts and music on. I'd go and see a film in the day. It was like, this is heaven. That's lovely, I'd say, for a, for a small tour, but when you're doing it yeah. continuously for 10 years. Yeah, comedians do long, long tours that don't yeah. stop. No, and also as well, even just like outside of the tours, just going and doing gigs. My friends are like baffled that I'll just go down to Cheltenham or Exeter in an evening and they're like, so you're coming back? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drive there for four hours, do yeah. the 20-minute gig and then just yeah. drive back and they're like, wow. <laughs> you're going, yeah. And, yeah like, and I guess like when you look back at it, before comedy, I would have seen that as being like a, a big thing, almost like yeah. a holiday, yeah, yeah, so yeah. to speak. Whereas now you go, no, no, that's just £240. Yeah. Plus yeah. that, yeah. maybe. You just got to get it done. It's a weird balance as well, because I I look at, I always felt when I was, again, doing music and that, when I was touring, I couldn't wait for festival season because I'm sick of just playing venues and venues and our own crowds. I want to go and win over new people. And by the end of festival season, I'm sick of festivals. I want to yeah. get back to that. And I think that's the thing. When I do tours where we're in hotels all the time, I'll be like, I just want to be, be back in my own bed. But then after I've done a few months of solo gigs where I'm driving home every night, I'm like, oh, I just want to stay in a hotel and not have to do a four-hour drive after I've finished at midnight. And Well, I'm in that situation at the moment. So I'm, um, I'm currently supporting Jack Whitehall on tour. Yes. And um, I've just... Last night was the first night in my bed in four and a half weeks. Wow. Yeah. And then I'll have... Um, actually, that's a lie. I had five hours sleep two Sundays ago in in my bed and then I'm here till Thursday and then away for another for another week and a half so it is odd and you you are removed from reality when you're away for so long yeah and there's yeah. bits of admin that you just completely forget you're going oh god I've got houseplants haven't I yeah and you yeah. come back to some sort of like horrible kind of like massacre <laughs> and you're going oh yeah cool yeah and you know just like I came back the other day and the lock on my door just stopped working and I was like Oh yeah, I should I should fix that because someone can just burgle me. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a problem. That's a good thing to say on a podcast, isn't it? Yeah, you know really I mean? good <laughs> to get that out there. <laughs> but by the time this comes out, the lock will be fixed. So keep away from my house. Hundred percent. I mean, I can say a guy in the background f- fixing it now. I think, and he looks really officious. Uh, that's not. He's not. He's not a locksmith, mate. <laughs> he does have a lot of chains. Um, <laughs> How's how's it been supporting Jack? I fucking adore Jack, and my my story with Jack crosses over with another part of um of your world. I was on Soccer AM with Jack, and because of where I'm from, I've always said my one thing I try and work on is is I have a natural prejudice against posh people. Yeah. So there's loads of stuff. There'll be comedians. There'll be all sorts of things. That, that I'll write off because they're posh. Yeah. I was on Soccer Home with Jack. He was the nicest guy in the world, the funniest guy in the world. And that then opened me up to all yeah. of his work and all of his comedy, which I'm now just the biggest fan. But it was all because we came face to face and he was just so friendly and, and lovely. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he's, he's he's very different off stage. I mean, he's very quiet off stage and he's just a very, very nice, nice man. And we, we met for the first time Oh, I can't remember now, like maybe like 2015 or something. Yeah. Um, actually, no, long, maybe before that, like 2014. And I was just doing a gig in in Kensal Rise 
And I kind of, again, with my background, like working class, Grimsby lad, but I went to a posh school. So I had this, I've had this weird kind of like relationship right. with posh, posh people my whole entire life where I kind of had a, I had a scholarship. And so I was like one of the only poor kids from the school and stuff. And then I went to X University, which is the poshest university in the bloody world. So I've always, you know, had posh friends and, and stuff. And um, yeah, with Jack, it was, there was no, you know, it was just, funny we, we got on really well i mean to be fair that night we did go out and have a big night out and um do you know tayo papula as well no no i don't think I do. oh, tayo he kind of just knows everyone in the music industries he also is a big arsenal fan and did the podcast with ian stone and davis um but he's he's a good lad we all went out with him and chris martin not that one the comedian yeah and um they ended up doing a runner um in a taxi and left me in the middle and I was the fattest by obviously a, a fair stretch, and so I was just stuck in this taxi and just ended up having to having to pay it. But um, apart from that, um, yeah, we got on really well. And this is the third time I've done his tours. Yeah, and it's great. And you know, not many people get to play those rooms, especially you know of, of say like my caliber. So it's mate. It's, every um, time you post a photo of it on socials, it's yeah. astounding. They're these they're they're grand rooms, huge yeah. crowds, right? And I think, you know, I put them on there just to, for, for me more than anything. Well, I say it's yeah. me more than anything. Obviously, it's the optics and, you know, yeah. playing arenas. But you do sometimes have to pinch yourself. And it's, you know, it's great. And I was listening to your episode with John Kearns. And John Kearns is one of my favourite comedians of all yeah. time. I absolutely love the bloke. And, you know, talking about the rooms that you start in and the rooms in which you develop as a comedian. Yeah. And I absolutely, not change the way I do comedy, but you do have to change the way in which you perform in those rooms. Yeah, like, of course. In, you know, definitely. And Jack is such an incredible performer. Like, performance-wise, he fills that stage. I know a lot of people say, oh, you know, arenas, they're a bit soulless. And, you know, that sometimes they can be. But there, yeah. it is economy of scales. I mean, if there is a need for someone to do those rooms, and, you know, it's not greed. It's just the fact that, you know, there are so many people that like this person because of the, you know, the exposures they've got on various different platforms that you need to do. I remember speaking to Kevin Bridges again. I know you mentioned it, you know, mentioned Kevin in that episode, but he said, we were talking about, he, he prefers like a smaller room in, in Glasgow. I was like, well, why don't you do that? He went, because I'd have to do it every single night for a yeah. year, solidly to even get close to the amount of, I'd, I'd be doing for a month at yeah. the arena. Yeah. And you're kind of going, oh yeah. And then you kind of have to divide that up. Well, is that, you know, are you just going <laughs> to lose love for that show if you're doing it nonstop for 355 nights, you know, a year? So yeah, it's, it's interesting doing those big rooms because you, you do have to change your stand-up a little bit. I think it's for the better. It's what I was going to ask, because again, I think it's really good to do tours like that, because I'll say the one time I did an arena, me and Dan Lassac opened for Frank Turner when he did his big Wembley show, and it's one of my favourite gigs to look back at photos of and Mm. to look back at and to have memories of, but it's one of the gigs I enjoyed the least at the time because it was the first time I'd done that, and there is a disconnect and there is a different thing, and I think... It annoyed me a little bit as we came off stage because it went amazingly and it was great, but I felt, right, there was stuff I wasn't expecting there. I want to do this again tomorrow and get better at playing these rooms. Because, again, I don't think it should be a, oh, I didn't enjoy that, I'll never do that again. It should be, I didn't enjoy that. What did I do wrong? What can I tweak and what can I improve to work that kind of of room? And that's that must be ideal to be doing... Support in these kinds of situations because you get to do it over and over again, right? Yeah, and you can't. It's interesting as well because 
With the first time I did an arena on Jack's tour, it kind of got bigger. So we were doing like the 1,200, 1,500 seater rooms and it went to like 2,500. Then you're doing the certain rooms like... um so, for example, the Bic in Bournemouth, that's like three and a half to 4,000. So they, they, they're starting to get bigger. Yeah. So you get a, a vibe as to how you should be performing those rooms. And then there's a couple of five, 6,000 seater rooms, and then it's the 10,000 seater rooms. Yeah. So you do, you, you are able to kind of gradually work those rooms, you know, to, to a point. And the, the, the first time I did Liverpool Arena, that was the first arena I did, actually. We did it the other, the other week. And I was reminiscing with Jack and Jack's uh, tour manager, Johnny, about it. I was just bricking it. I was shitting myself because I was like, this is the first time I've done an arena. I've got no idea if I can play an arena. Yeah. And, I was like, and the thing that I was so scared about was having a stinker. Not because of in the moment of being like, oh my God, I'm going to have an awful one in front of 10,000. Imagine dying in front of 10,000 people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you, you just can't comprehend it. But then also the, then Jack... The loudest silence oh imaginable. Days, that many people I mean? not making any noise. It, like the it, largest it memorial service known yeah. to man. Yeah. And so you're there going, oh, I really hope I'm good at it, you know, for my own well-being so that I don't have a stinker. But then going, well, I hope I'm good because I don't really want Jack to go, hi, mate. I mean, look, maybe I'll get someone else in. And then yeah. you've got another 20 dates that, that have gone and, you know, I've got a mortgage to pay. And, you know, so there's all these things going around yeah. in your head that you can't control. You So you have to go out there and do a, a good job. And then luckily it went well and people left. But again, it's just the, the whole you touch on it with, with you know with John it's just like the, the, the not knowing and just mm. going into this job going oh, I don't know what's going to happen today yeah and whether I might get sacked yeah imposter yeah. syndrome like times a thousand so or the not knowing is a weird thing and, and I, I want to talk about your your upcoming like headline tour because I want to talk about the difference between a support tour and a headline tour because again I think they are completely different things and they've both got their own excitements like I used to get the same buzz supporting people as I did kind of at festivals because you know you're there to win people over and that's kind of a there are those nerves but it's kind of a buzz too like it's exciting whereas when it's your own gig there's a different buzz because you know they're into your stuff you know they're there for you but you've then got the pressure of you're the one who has to sell the tickets Mm. and deliver the good night and a thing I keep talking about recently I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast or only on Twitch, but since I've stopped touring, it's it's something I've been really aware of that I want to get across to to the general public is as a headliner on a tour, like we talk a lot more now on podcasts and everywhere about, about mental health. Mm. And I think the general public don't realise the benefit to mental health that is given from from buying tickets early. And this isn't a sales pitch, but I just genuinely think comedians, rappers, everyone who's touring, oh when, God, they yeah. get, when they get those sales numbers through, there's the panic that this, is gonna, that this isn't going to break even, that this show's going to be cancelled. And I've always been, as a punter, I've always been a, I'll leave it until the last minute because you never know what might come up or this and that. And I've changed that in recent years because I'm like, oh no, hang on. I know from being on the other side yeah. that we're looking at Liverpool and we've sold four tickets, and yeah. we're like, well, I now feel bad for the four people who've bought tickets, because if there's only four of them in the room, that's going to be a horrible night. And yeah. again, almost every tour I did, in the end, it worked out, and there was enough people in the room, and so on and so forth. But yeah, I'm genuinely a big urger now of, look, if you can, 
buy tickets early. Go yeah. on Lloyd's website now and, and, and buy t- uh, tickets for his 2024 tour and all, everything that's ahead. But yeah, how, how do you find all of that? Jerry, it's such a good point because, you know, you're the first person that I think that said that out loud. Yeah. As, you know, as, as a performer of going, it helps mental health if people buy them sooner. Yeah. Oh my God. And 100%. it's not, I said, the, the beauty now is because I don't tour anymore, it's not a sales pitch on my no, part. I've no. got no horse in this race kind of thing, but it's a genuine, it does your head in. Oh my gosh, yeah, it is. And it's really interesting as well, because when you put a tour on, like some people, I know there's a few people that do it differently, but I think the majority of people will put a tour on sale and then write that tour. I mean, that's that's kind of, in, yeah. in comedy, that's yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. very, very common thing. You know, people will put a show uh, in Edinburgh on sale and then will write that show, yeah, yeah. you know, from the November to the to the, to the the July. And it's, it's really weird because obviously, if you don't write a show, and you're, the tour's on sale, and it's not selling well. You're going, well, what's the fucking point? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Why, why, yeah. why am I even writing this? No one's buying it. Why am I, why am I writing it? Yeah. And then if you've written a show, and you're really proud of it, and you put it on sale, and no one's bought a ticket, you're going to go, well, what was the point of me doing that? Yeah, do you, do I've done mean? all of that. And this is my best say, work. Exactly. It is, it is so, it is like, is it a bit, and again, this isn't a woe is me. I mean, I'm very fortunate to be doing this job and I, I love doing this job and I will work just from family mentality. I mean, just watching my mum work her absolute tits off yeah. from, you know, from day one to, to get me and my sister where we are today. I've always got that. I mean, that always sticks with me. So I'll always, always deliver a good show knowing that ticket sales will be fine. And, um, yeah. you know, some years they go out the blocks early doors and you're going, this is great. Some years they dribble out and you're going, oh, come on. And then they eventually catch each other up and by the time you go on tour, it's fine. Um, apart from Great Torrington a few years back and also <laughs> Birmingham last year um, where we may- maybe, maybe we might have gone to a venue maybe slightly too large f- for my um, <laughs> demand. But, you know, we've learned lessons and we're going back to the Glee Club next year. But, you know, these these whole things, you know, you, you I think as a performer, and, I, you know, I've got a number of friends in bands and, you know, I've got a number of friends who are footballers and they all have this imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, uh, anything where you've got to go out there and get it on your own. You know, I've got a friend who's yeah. she's, she's a, 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 a businesswoman and um, she, she has the same thing. You know, it's, yeah. everyone has this. And when your job is relying on... I'm doing a show, but that show doesn't exist without people coming to buy tickets. Oh my God. You know, I, so it's Wednesday today. We're recording this show on Wednesday and I was just chatting to my promoter this morning about a few little bits and bobs. He's like, I'll get the sales report over to you later. And then I was like, oh God, it's Wednesday. Oh God, I'm going to see the sales report. And it's, yeah. you know, luckily I'm on tour with Jack at the moment. So I know that I'm shifting a fair few tickets, but it's still that thing of going, do you know what I mean? Like, it's a it's, horrible email to get and a horrible yeah notification to, to get. I remember the when I did my spoken word tour, I was my own kind of tour manager or promoter or whatever for that because yeah. it was a smaller setup. So I basically constantly had access to ticket sales. Oh, and that was the worst lead-up to a tour I've ever had. Again, the yeah. tour itself was lovely, but that l- lead-up, man, I can be sitting there just watching TV and think, I'll, have a I'll just have a quick look. I'll just have a quick <laughs> yeah. look at our... our again, oh, no, I keep no. saying Liverpool, because I'm sure was L- Liverpool for a while was the one that would always be quite l- last minute, that I'd always think the promoter's going to pull that. That's not going to happen. Well, and then we'll get that. Little insight, I'm not doing Liverpool on the next tour. So that's how yeah. well last tour did. Because <laughs> yeah. I've just gone, do you know what? I always find Liverpool a bit of a slog. It's a struggle, I'm just yeah. going to... And also, it is, it is a mental health thing of going, do you know what? I, I loved the show last year. It was great, but it wasn't healthy for me to, to be worrying about certain shows. So yeah. if there's been shows that I've gone, actually, do you know what? They, we struggled to sell there. I'm just going to, you know, 
And again, very lucky that shows sell well elsewhere. But it is, yeah, me going, oh, do you know what? No, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to absolutely leave it. And also now, even though I get a sales report, and Reese James, obviously very close mate of mine, and um, you, you had him on the podcast, we chat all the time. And even though you don't get the sales report yourself, it goes to your promoter, they then send you a spreadsheet. I'm absolutely on certain websites for certain theatres looking at the seating plan, (laughs) seeing if it shifted. Yeah. And it's like going, that's, that's, unhealthy and this whole you know I'm not I'm fully aware I've come in here and just gone oh this this job isn't healthy but it is and it isn't and you have to get ways you have to figure out ways in which in order to to counteract that so that you've got coping mechanisms but again Mm. when you can look at a seating plan for your show in uh, Leeds City Varieties and (laughs) see how many it sold yeah I will is it now on my frequently looked at um, tabs on my phone yes it also of is. is and then it's then looking at going oh how many followers have I got this week and it, comedy's evolved comedy has absolutely evolved and it, it does take its toll and you know back in the day back in the 90s you know what I mean a stand up would put a tour on sale it would sell out because there were only 20 stand up comedians back in the 90s and they had a very nice time. They weren't having to look at Instagram. They weren't having to look at TikTok reels. They weren't having to yeah. worry about whether there are too many comedians going to Edinburgh because there were 19 comedians. Yeah. Whereas Edinburgh now is six and a half thousand comedians yeah. going up for three weeks, trying to get the same audience, trying to get the same PR and stuff. So it's completely evolved. And um, I'll be interested to see where comedy is, you know, in, in, in 10 years' time. Yeah, it's really interesting. And where Edinburgh is, again, this year, Obviously, we won't. It's not worth going into in great detail because it's been talked about through and through. But the price of everything has gone through the roof. But this is the first year. Genuinely, I don't think I've seen, and obviously there will be. None of the comedians I know or follow have announced a full run up there. Everyone seems to be doing a week or a couple of weeks, or do you know what I mean? A smaller run because of, and that's got to be down to how much everything's changed and how much it's so expensive and so. Hard to do. Hundred percent. I think you co- you covered the majority of it on 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 the podcast with John Kearns, which yeah. I, I thought was brilliant. But the Edinburgh Fringe Festival isn't for performers anymore. No. Do you know what I mean no. it's very useful to go up there, but it is not in the favour of performers. There's a lot of greed up there. Do you know what I mean venues, landlords, and various different? I'd say cer- certain publicists. People are taking money from 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 performers, and it's it's not for the perform anymore. And I think actually, the more that people talk about it, and so those punters that go up to Edinburgh, if they actually know, I've just spent 12 quid on a ticket, that performer will get about 30 pence of that ticket. You know, I think people need to be aware of actually, it's a kind of trade show now. And it's, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's comedy is not at the heart of it anymore. And yeah, I just think it's, it's it needs to, um, it needs to die in order for it to have a bit of a rebirth under a new kind of, platform but yeah it's 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 really you know and again as john said in that podcast you go up there for 25 nights a month and you can learn a trade there and it's Mm. it's great and there's very few places that people can actually do that but it's um it's just absolutely it's such a greedy little boy that festival and it's it needs to change massively i I always get excited with these things of who's gonna step up and take its place weird example here but i've I've got a film in development and 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 I've had a few things in the past in development with Walt, but Walt have changed changed how they're doing things a little bit. So I've been looking for, right, who's the new Walt? Who's yeah. the next Walt? And I think of that with things, things like The Fringe. Who's going to step up and be the next Edinburgh Fringe yeah. that will be 
supported by artists and performers, but be about the the art of it and trying out new stuff and experimental stuff and exciting stuff rather than it's a business, so I need to go up there with what I know is going to bring punters through the door and yeah. earn, me, earn me money. It's got to be Glasgow for me. <laughs> I fucking love Glasgow. Bring on the Glasgow fringe. Let's have it. Yeah, I just think that there's, there's, there's scope there. But I just at the, at the moment it's just it's it's not a good place, you know, yeah. for, for 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 performers to go up there and and things do need to change drastically. Rant over. A complete change of 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 topic here. But I was watching a little preview of a thing that a mate of mine has directed l- l- last night. Extra information here, Lloyd. I was watching it in the bath, um, and it's a little documentary series from my mate Jack Spring called All Town, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And who pops up but your good he's, self? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know Jack, dear. Yeah, I know Jack. He's he's helping me. He's he's exec producing the film I've I've got in development. Oh, wow. So I've been hearing about this documentary all the way along, kind of thing, yeah. and excited about it. And last night was the first time I got to watch bits of it. And there's something. Uh, this is going to be weirdly specific, but as a Millwall fan, there's something about lower league commentary. Yeah, that just fires me up. Like, literally, specifically, the commentators. There's numerous clips on that where there's someone losing their absolute mind. And it's just... I think football has always had that in a very unique way anyway. I always remember Jonathan Pierce when he was doing the lower league stuff, just screaming his head off. And it means... And and Robot Wars. Yeah, robot was. was. Yeah, exactly. So, tell me a little bit about the documentary. It's kind of it's it's. I think a lot of people are going to try and do things off the back of the Wrexham one, but Grimsby have got such a good story, and it ties in, you know, as 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 the kind of almost other character in that first season of the Wrexham series because of what happened. So this is a documentary called All Town Are We, which is basically being produced by uh, Grimsby Town Football Club and also yeah. Jack Spring. Jack is a Grimsby Town footballer that is one of those weird breed of people that isn't actually from Grimsby, yet yeah. supports Grimsby. Yeah. And the amount of people that, you know, go, who do you support? Going, I support Grimsby. Going, all oh, right, you're from there. Going, well, obviously I'm from there. Why would I, mean, I otherwise? Who chooses to support <laughs> Grimsby Town Football Club? Yeah. But there are people, and it is usually through marriage or through some sort of association. Yeah. You know, there's a landlord of a pub in Cambridge and he supports Grimsby Town because he had a load of Cambridge, uh, Grimsby Town fans that would come into that pub and he became a fan from there and, and stuff. So, you know, Jack is one that his family are from Grimsby, but he li- you know, from Sutton. And he's done this documentary with, with Grimsby Town Football Club and it kind of documents the season that we had, not just last season, but the season before where we got promoted from the National League. Yeah. Wrexham also did a documentary called Welcome to Wrexham. I was in LA last week and oh my God, the amount of advertising for that show around yeah. town is insane. I just couldn't believe it being like, oh my God. It's like Ben Tozer, who we just yeah. knew as like a, a long, long throwing merchant from Cheltenham like five years ago, yeah. is now on billboards in LA. It's like, this is insane. I love it though. I love it. I, and, and I love, again, it's so mad to watch and go, again, as a fan of lower league football and stuff, yeah. anyway, I think Wrexham are now probably in the top 10 m- m- most known English teams, I, like well, internationally, say, yeah, maybe top yeah. five. You know? Well, I'd, I'd say British teams. Yeah, I mean they're, ve- Brit- they're very. Might, sorry, yeah, I've, so yeah, yeah. The, I mean they will the, kick off the, about that, but they are playing. In, they are playing in an English league, so I mean, yeah, English you know, league teams. 
Pick your side, okay? Pick your <laughs> yes. side. Um, but it's like, so we, we faced Wrexham in the in the uh, playoff eliminator and it was mm. an unbelievable uh, game, 5-4. Yeah. Um, one Absolute goal, insanity. One goal scored with a foot, one goal scored with a hand, the rest with heads. So that just goes, I think that's a perfect advert for lower league football. Yeah. We ended up winning it. And I've, I've actually not seen the Welcome to Wrexham documentary yet. It's, it's on my list of things to watch, but I've, I've seen a few clips from it and it, it then says, you know, Grimsby went on to be promoted from the, from the up, up to the Football League. And so we obviously don't have the backing of what the, the lads have had over in Wrexham with yeah. regards to a production company and stuff, but we've done it as a proper lower league football would do it. And, but I think, I, I haven't seen it yet. So, I mean, you've actually seen it before me. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Obviously, I've, I've just done a few talking head bits to it. And um, I'm really excited to see how it comes out because I love lower league football. I, I always like have done. And But what, what Ryan and Rob have done with Wrexham, I know some people go, no, it's not the underdog story. No, it's not the underdog story, but they have to paint this picture of an underdog story yeah. to people around the world that have got no idea who Wrexham are, what yeah. the National League is. I mean, who teams like Chesterfield and Borenwood are. And I went through Ryan Reynolds' Twitter a few weeks back and oh my God, I fell in love with the bloke again. Yeah. Because it's like, it's just lower league football stories that he's posting. Things about community, do you know what I mean? Like postings, yeah. you know, like you've got one of the biggest Hollywood stars posting tweets about someone, you know, that needs to raise some money for a medical emergency in North Wales. And then them getting that, that money, you know, within a few yeah. days. And it's like, this is this is great. And with both Grimsby and, and, and Wrexham got taken over by new owners, our new owners, Jason Stockwood and Andrew Pettit. Absolutely brilliant lads. Uh, what films have they been in? Um, well, you might, uh, they were in the Full Monty. They were in the, yeah, they were in the Full Monty. They don't have to talk about it, but they were both in the Full Monty. So um, they and Rob and Ryan have basically got this idea that they want to help the football team, but it's it's about the community. It's about the town. They want yeah. to give back to the town. And I'm really, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a singer and I'm a choir boy. Like I, so I've, 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 I was a choir boy from the age of six years old. I sang in this church choir and this church choir had this amazing community. I was yeah. quite, I think it's quite rare to be a part of something that has a community yeah. like that. You know, like you look at mining villages that have just had a community ripped out of them. Grimsby Town, I mean, a fishing town that's had its kind of yeah. community ripped out of it. You know, religion obviously is a bit of a, a weird thing to talk about at the moment, but, you know, dwindling audiences in churches and other kind of religious places. You know, you've got working men's clubs, you've got constitutional clubs, mother's unions, they're not getting like the, the numbers they're used to. So, there is yeah. actually a real fall in places for people to go to feel like they're accepted, which I think is why we've got, and again, I am absolutely not like a sociologist or psychologist here, which I think is why the rise of Twitter and feel people, people feel the need that, oh, I feel actually that, you know, and this is obviously very extreme, but the alt-right and the kind of like the far left where they feel part of something and there's these communities online. Like my auntie, my auntie Beryl, God bless her, she passed away in 2020, but she didn't really have much of a community in her. She was very, I'd say a bit of a hermit, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But she had these like friends online that she was very, you know, vocal with and she was a bit right-wing, bless her. Yeah. Not bless her. She was right-wing. Bless her for other reasons. Yeah. Not that. And so I think people would just gravitate to these communities online, which I don't necessarily think are healthy. And I think what football teams are doing, and it's not just Grimsby and Wrexham, but they are trying to build these places of community where you can feel welcome, feel yeah. like you've got a voice, not feel ostracised. And then there's little pockets of groups around the football club that you feel, oh, like a walking football team. Or, you know, like we had warm banks 
you know, at Grimsby Town over winter where if you couldn't afford your heating, come to Grimsby Town, wow. and, you know, you, you know, just be able to speak to people and stuff like that. So, you know, I, th- I think what football teams, some football teams are doing is amazing. And, you know, with the likes of Wrexham, with the likes of Grimsby and there's a whole plethora of teams, Exeter City, that's definitely one that I, I kind of think are going in the right direction. They make you feel welcome. And yeah. you're not a number. There are so many Premier League football teams where those fans are just numbers. They're not people. So yeah. that's why I love supporting them. And I'm not sure what platform the documentary is going to go out on, but I, you know, I wholeheartedly ask you to 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 go and watch it. But also as well, go and support a local team. Do you know what I mean Rob yeah. Beckett? He started supporting Bromley a lot more the last few years. Yeah, you know, again, just a bit more, bit more community about it. Dulwich Hamlet. I know people take the Mickey out of it as being like the most hipster team in the world, but. You go down there, and apart from the fact that they, oh my God, Pip, when they bring out their keys, if there's like a corner or a free kick, they bring out their keys and they start shaking their keys. And I'm like, what's this? What, what's this for? They went, and so I went, oh yeah, it's, it's a key moment. And at that point, I, oh, I, did, I did want to buy a gun. Yeah, um, yeah but, understandable. But I think, you know, just, just these places that are, you know, community hubs that make you feel welcome. And I think they're only, only ever a good thing. Yeah, I mean, there can be... Three, Something truly unique about it that all these people coming together and sharing those moments and yeah. that excitement. And I really hope that, because I think, I mean, you touched upon it there. I think a lot of people have become more and more detached from yeah. the Premier League because of how big it's got and because of how much of a business it's become. And again, I'm fine either way. Like it, it, it also has some of the best f- f- football in the history of football, like the level has gone through the roof, but I can understand as fans how people have been priced out of it and 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 dragged away from their clubs a bit. And it'd be really nice if that drove people to to lower league teams instead, to yeah. local teams, to, to smaller teams, and being yeah part of that community and yeah. seeing all the old boys who've been been going since the sixties and seventies. Well, exactly that is it. I've got a friend and. They will remain nameless, but they support a Premier League team. It's not Reese, and they have a season ticket. It's not Reese. Um, it actually isn't Reese. And I went along with them because the person they have the season ticket with wasn't available. So I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll come along with you." And whilst the football was amazing, what killed me was the fact that they went there. We went there together. We spoke to maybe four people like throughout the whole game, and they don't really know the people that sit around them. I mean, they didn't meet up with people on the way there. And I was like going, oh my God, when I go to Grimsby Town, yeah, it depends which game it is, home games. You know, there's, you know, there's a there's a routine. Do you know I mean, there's like, yeah. it changes each time, but there's, it depends on, you know, I'm not sure if you had Thomas Turgoose on the podcast. I've left. not, I love Tommy no, though. Yeah. So um, he's like one of my best mates from, from, from Grimsby. And like, you know, so if, if, if he's going with his mates and Cal and his dad and Uncle Albert, we're like, we'll basically, we'll figure out where we're going to meet before under them. Like my mum and my aunties, they'll, they'll go into the con- constitutional club around the corner because um, it's around the corner and, my auntie's got a bad knee, so we'll do that. And then I'll go off to them, the the Mariners, uh, the, the fan zone, the Mariners Trust fan zone, which is like this open plan, little corner of the football ground. And there's got this amazing brewery called Doc's Beers and there's like amazing food there. And then I'll be there with all my mates and then we'll go into, you know, so there's, it's, this is whole day. And that has changed over the last like five, you know, three or, three or four years since the new owners have come in. But 
even if we lose, I've gone, well, I've had a lovely day with people that I really want to spend time with. Yeah. And that's great. And I think you see so many people go into football matches, going to specifically Premier League games, that go there that don't really feel part of the community. They are just numbers. Mm-hmm. And then, then they'll go home and then just do a YouTube vlog about how shit the game was and how shit their manager is and how they should be bringing in Haaland. And it's like going, I just, that for me isn't football, but, you know, I could talk all day about this, so I'm going to, there, otherwise, I'll just turn no, into a massive I, I anti-capitalist. Com- I completely agree. I think so- social media has done a weird thing in that as well, because that's where you're having all your opinions and voices. You're yeah. not having those conversations with your mates anymore about it. No. You're going straight onto Twitter to go, well, I think this, 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 and then you've got it yeah. out of your system. Whereas with you weren't doing that, you'd be getting down the pub or getting to wherever your pals are and going... Even if you're having the same moan, but you're yeah. having it directly and people are countering and people oh, whose opinions you can, or whose voice you're willing to hear are countering or agreeing or whatever else. Whereas on socials, it's so easy to go, no, everyone who disagreed with me is a prick. Um, yeah. I don't know them or their bots or whatever yeah. else you need to dis- to disassociate. But I mean, to change the subject, but keep on it a bit. When I was going Millwall week in, week out, part of my routine on a Saturday was Soccer AM ahead of going to the football. And I think I've seen you say before that it was a big part of your of your youth and your upbringing oh yeah. as well. So how was that to join and be part of? Because it was, yeah. it's amazing, right? Like it's the show, oh it, it's the first TV show I went on and that happened because I had no plugger or anything. It was, I just sent them an email because I didn't have any, I didn't have yeah. a label, I didn't have a plugger, but I had music that was starting to blow up. And I've got two hat-trick balls, because I think I went on s- s- seven times in total, which is a ridiculous amount. But yeah, just adore it. So that must have been mad to kind oh, of mate. transition into being part of it. Yeah, like, so again, like growing up, <laughs> my mum couldn't afford a TV licence, let alone Sky. I remember the World Cup 1994, England weren't playing in it, but we were watching the TV uh, we, were, we were watching the World Cup and my mum was petrified. There was this rumour going around Grimsby that um, the TV licensing people were like, that had a lorry and they were going down the street and looking into like people's house, houses to see if they had a TV and then basically making a note of who had a TV and then going, right, let's go and have their TV wow. licence. Like, so my mum basically made this table where the TV was under the table so it didn't look like we had a TV because she was that petrified of getting done by the TV Amazing. Now, as someone who does a lot of work for the BBC, I have to say, I pay for my TV licence. <laughs> so does my mum now. Um, and also, I've backdated it a few years. You know I mean, so don't don't come, come and knock in. So we couldn't... We couldn't <laughs> We can honestly, we had this little routine. She's like, Look, if the people knock, I go, Oh, hello, Mr. TV licensed man. Me and my sister would have to like go and basically put this like table dress over the TV so it just looked like it was a table. Like, that's how paranoid she was about getting done, bless her. But, um, we couldn't afford Sky, and we had an amazing teacher at at my school called Mr. Redding. It was, he was brilliant. I remember he used to bring in albums and give us albums. He was so cool, like the epitome of like a, a cool, cool teacher, but not in a kind of like a weird way he came in dress you know what I mean he had like Clark's originals on yeah the way he spoke was cool he'd spent like five years in Australia which at the time we were like oh my god <laughs> absolute Michael Palin's teaching us this is insane <laughs> and then he'd come in and be like hi guys so does anyone want this Blur album and we're like 
yeah oh my god yeah and he taught us about music and um he said look if you ever go to university just tell people you like nick haven the bad seeds because that'll make you look really cool <laughs> and i was like yeah and i still say to people yeah i listen to nick haven the bad seeds all the time i could name you three songs uh, push. Yeah. but I, I'm, I'm more of a john martin guy myself anyway so he used to record soccer i am on a saturday morning and then used to bring the video in and then whenever there was wet break at school, which often in Grimsby was a lot, we'd watch yeah. Soccer AM during the week. And Amazing. It was a, oh, my. It was ace. It was absolutely brilliant. And I remember on the, on the um, for the old school Soccer AM fans, there was a big campaign. They had like, um, save Chip, don't let Sarah win. I mean, that was a massive, massive campaign. Yeah. Google it. It was real. We had it on. The, we had it on on the wall, and I was obsessed with with Soccer M, just mainly because it was on Sky and it was behind this paywall. It felt a bit naughty if you're able to watch it. Yeah. And also, it was ahead of its time. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, a magazine show. There were so many magazine shows. Yeah. You know, that were on like the Word, the Girly Show. You know, even Big Breakfast. And so to be a part of it, you know, to be invited as a guest first time round, like I only really get starstruck with sets. I remember I went with an ex girlfriend. She was very. She used to work on um, Made in Chelsea with producer Will so producer Will from um, uh, TFI Friday TFI basically Friday, of course, yeah. asked us if we want to go in the bar so me and my then girlfriend went up there as a guest of his and I just was so starstruck from yeah. the setting of oh my god I'm in the bar of TFI Friday this is what's yeah. going on and the same thing you come out of that tunnel on Soccer M like oh my god I'm, I'm on Soccer M and then they asked me to do it and it was an absolute no-brainer I mean I've been on the show a couple of times and they were having a bit of a rebrand and they asked me to go on it and I have to say, it was obviously a dream come true, but also it was a fucking nightmare because for yeah. the first three months, the abuse that I got and that Jimmy got and that Fenner's got was just insane. And it, you know, or was it, that it, just as Helen had left? Yeah, just right. as Helen so, had so left. That, yeah. Again, that's always going to be a tough, but I, and it huge was interesting. Boost to feel. And I remember speaking to uh, Max Rushton, who had who had done it before Fenner's and after Tim yeah. and after Andy Goldstein's year, and he he said, just let you know, he went. You're going to be absolutely brilliant. I know you are. You went, I've been watching you from afar. You're going to be great. We won't just let you know you're going to get out of a lot of abuse. And I was yeah. like, Max, no offense, mate. Do you know what I mean? I'm a man of the people. Do you know what I mean? I'm a working class northern lad. Unlike you, I didn't go to Oxbridge. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and then the first week, I was actually flying up and down from the Edinburgh Fringe for that first month. Right. And I remember like looking at my Twitter feed at Heathrow and like nearly close to tears of just like the shit that I was getting. And it was just, it was just the, the abuse that you get. And it was just f for, for no reason. Yeah. It was yeah. for no reason. And what I've come to realise is it was just football fans that get angry because you're there. Yeah. And that is the only reason. I spoke to a number of people, footballers. Troy Deeney gave me some of the best advice, you know, that I've ever received about online hate. Greg James was brilliant. Um, he came up to the fringe and was like, how are you dealing with it? I was like, I'm loving doing the show. I love the actual thing. I was like, I'm getting a shitload of abuse, like on yeah. a Saturday morning. Yeah. And then it stops. After, it's literally Saturday morning with Peter off around about six o'clock on Saturday evening. And then maybe Mad, a smattering it? for a replay on a Sunday morning, Soccer and Best Bits. And then it'd go. And I then bumped into Tim, Tim Lovejoy. Yeah. I was in a towel. He was in his trunks in um, <laughs> in a gym that we both go to. And he's like, are you enjoying it? I was like, mate, did you ever have the abuse? He went, mate, 
did I ever have the abuse? He was like, you're getting the tweets? I was like, I'm getting tweets. He went, yeah. I'm, he said, I can't imagine that's great. He went, because they come at you at probably such volume. He went, but imagine people writing in to send abuse. Imagine people taking their time to get an A4 bit of paper, folding it up three ways to put into a little envelope, to then find the address of Soccer AM, to then yeah. put their own saliva on the back of an envelope, to spend 28p to put, to buy a stamp, to then send it. It goes, so I see the tweets, but when you've had letters, when yeah. people have gone literal hate mail, he's like, and you know, he, he was great and he gave me some really good advice that will stay with me for a long time. And then I listened to a podcast with Helen Chamberlain where she talked about you know, people just look at you doing that job and think, well, I can do that. You're just sat on a sofa. You're just sat on a sofa yeah. speaking to a man. Like, yeah. I, can, I can do that. And some people I'm sure can, but not everyone can. And people get so passionate about football that they just get annoyed. If you even say the slightest thing about a football team or a person, you'll just get piled on. Yeah. And they're like, look, this soccer am, you don't need to know Porto's left back. You yeah. do not need to know. It's, it's a light entertainment yeah. football magazine show and people don't get that and so I, I remember one 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 well there were two tweets that stick with me and I screen grabbed them and I emailed them to myself so I've got them just in case and um one of them said I would rather send my child on holiday with the McCann's than watch this fat prick for the next 90 minutes wow they watched soccer am a light-hearted magazine football show yeah. and that was in their head they were yeah. like, that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I would rather send my children on holiday with the McCann's than watch this fat prick for the ni- next 90 minutes. And you're kind of going, the path that your brain's taken in order to write yeah. that. And also, not to be trivial about it, but that would be the safest holiday you ever send your children on again. Do you know what I mean? That ain't, that ain't happening again, is it? So <laughs> Chances. What, why are you even saying that? So yeah. there, was a, there was a number and it was, it was just, it was, it was just in, in, insane. Then after about two or three months, I think people realised, oh, this little fat bloke ain't going anywhere. Yeah. And actually, is it that bad? You know, I still got the odd tweet every now and then, but then there was a lot of love. There was two weeks where I didn't do the show, I was filming something else. And the amount of love I got from that was great. And then the amount of people that come up to you in the street and tell you loved you was great. And the fact, you know, people were buying tickets to see your show. Also great, but there was this vocal minority of tweeters, which again I've realised is like anything in life now. So it was it was amazing to do, but you know, you know, you're on the sofa interviewing, you know, Terry Goresisol from Specials and Jesse Lingard, and you're kind of going, "This is a bit surreal, John. You know I mean? yeah. What is, what is going on here? You know, you're having chats with David Seaman, and you know, Matt Letizia is taking a penalty against you whilst. Um, well, let's not go there. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was it was it was an absolute dream come true. But it wasn't all it wasn't all amazing because you had this kind of like weird element of like going. You did the show, and then we'd go to the bar afterwards, and I go, "All oh, right, I'm just going to get called a fat prick for the next ten minutes whilst I just read these tweets." Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I uh, again, I feel like I'm just espousing all my. Here's how you should b- behave as fans of things. But I had a realization a few years back that. I would rarely tweet or whatever express when I really enjoyed something, mm. but I'd always tweet or express when I didn't. Yeah. And I decided to just flip that round completely. Yeah. And I'll never express, I'll never moan about a show I thought was shit publicly. Yeah. I might I might to my mates, but I'll never yeah. publicly moan about a show I think was shit. But every time I get a chance to shout 100%. about something I think is good, I will. And... You will have seen from ticket sales and from people walking up to you in the street that people were loving that. 
if a few more of them had tweeted at the time, it might have taken the edge off yeah, slightly, of course, the, yeah. the, the barrage of abuse. Yeah. But you don't think to. You, you'll watch it, you'll be laughing along, go, that was a great episode, now off down the den. Or, or do you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or whatever but, else. But, that, and, but, that, but that's life though, isn't it? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That is life where you enjoy something and then you get on with it and you go and do it. Do you know what I mean? Like if you yeah. think back to like the 90s, we'd watch TV, we'd enjoy it, we'd get on with our day and we'd, you know... Yeah. But there wouldn't be, right, I'm going to get an A4 bit of paper out and I'm going to, you know... Let I'm gonna someone write. fucking know. And I think, you know, I, I, I'm... Yeah, exactly, it's mental. And like, so, uh, same with, you know, I used to be a bit of a... Not a Karen, but if someone, you know, if I'd got bad service or something from somewhere, I would tweet them. And yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my God. So what I've started doing now is not doing that. Dealing with it in a normal way, being like, look, actually, this, this coffee is cold. Is there any yeah. chance I can get a hot one just yeah. so I don't cry for the rest of the day? Yeah. But then if you get like really good service from somewhere, letting that company know. And I know it's so, and it, it yeah. sounds so stupid and we shouldn't have to do that, but you're going, well, I think we do in this day and age. So Mate, um, you do I've have got, to flip it. I've got one. I stayed at a hotel recently, a place called Folks with two Fs. And I got one of those, could you leave a review type feedback form things. I wrote essays because they were so good. <laughs> Genuinely, the staff, like, this is going to sound stupid, but... <laughs> Anytime I kind of asked for something off the staff, I genuinely felt that they were excited t- yeah, yeah, to yeah. do it. Like it was like, oh yeah, yeah, cool. Like like, it, and I'm like, you never have that anywhere. People being p- polite is about what I hope for as a peak. But it was that as soon as I got that form, I was like, I'm clicking v- 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 very good on everything. And anytime there's a chance to ten, ten, expand ten, ten, on ten, that, ten, I'm ten, like, ten. yep, they were amazing. This was the where, best where was the hotel? Ever. Um, it's in like in Norfolk, and um, really? yeah, it was again. It was a random place in the middle of nowhere that was just astounding. And as I said all the staff were just oh, redi- like genuinely. It was a. <laughs> I got some room service. This is w- 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 weird details, but ordered some food and a dessert, and they brought the food up and said, "Look, we thought you wouldn't you wouldn't want the dessert now because it might like melt and stuff." So, I like give us a shout when you you finish your main. And I thought that's nice enough. Yeah, and then when I rung them. To ask for my dessert, they're like, "Oh yeah, oh you're gonna l- love this!" Like genuinely excited to bring me this dessert, and I'm like, "You're just helping. You're serving me here, but genuinely yeah, making yeah. me feel like I'm not." Because again, you'll know this from being on f- film sets and that, and being working class. There's certain things where I just feel the most awkward if I have to get someone to do anything f- oh, for me. I feel like so- during COVID, I shoot at a TV show. And because of the COVID restrictions, the rule was only the driver can touch the doors. Right. The amount of a cunt I felt pulling up back at my <laughs> hotel and sitting there quietly while he g- gets out in traffic and walks all the way around to open my door for me, it was giving me a complex. But I was like, yeah, course, anytime yeah. I went to, he'd be like, no, no, please don't. Just please don't. This is how we have to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Legally, like, don't touch the door. I'm like, no, I can just get out. I'll wipe the door down if you want, but... I can't handle this. So, yeah. I'd have, I'd have bought to a ask for anything pretend... is uncomfortable for me. So when they're then like... I'd have bought a doll awesome. and just pretended I was breastfeeding, do you know what I mean? Just so like, <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's why... Sorry, guys. I'm like, you go ahead. Why is that bearded man breastfeeding? But yeah, I, I, it's the same thing. Like last week, we were in uh, in, in, in America. And um, again, like, girls like, can I take your bag, please, sir? I was like, no, no, no. And then like, Johnny the tall man was like, no, you, he needs to take the bag. Like, it's yeah. unionized. It's and kind you need of to give, what he has to do. And also, yeah. you need to give him five dollars. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, that's fine. That's fine yeah. then. Yeah. But if you're in an English hotel, like, can we take it back? I'm like, no, obviously not. No, I'll take it to my room. Do you know what I mean, I'll, yeah. But it's that whole thing, you know, like runners on set. Do you know what I mean, I kind of get on with runners on set so much because I'm like, yeah. 
you've been there like a hundred times yeah. before, like the first yeah. jobs I ever had, you know what I mean, were essentially not running jobs, but you know, I was a pot wash boy in a place called the sidewalk and I used to cut potatoes in a fish and chip shop and, you know, yeah. I used to be a, a waiter in a, a pizza hut. So, you know, I've done, I've done the jobs that, you know, people sometimes just turn their noses up and go, no, no, yeah. do you know what I mean, let's be nice to everyone. So yeah, it is, um, it is weird, isn't it? That that whole working class complex is a fucking, it's a, a, a mind fuck as well. It's a mad one. I was kitchen at Pizza Hut, so. Were you? Yeah. yeah Which yeah, one? I loved it. Um, Lakeside. Really? Oh, dreamy. I dreamy. loved it. I loved it. It's one of my favourite jobs. Weirdly, at the end of every shift I did that had the buffet, there'd be a pizza left over that didn't get cooked in the end. It was exactly what I wanted to take home. Swad that, um, isn't it? And I'd always say, shall I throw this out? Or sh- do you mind? I might as well try it through the oven before we turn them off. And I'll, yeah, 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 go ahead. It was. Uh... I put on so much weight working at pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Like the, 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 the guys cooking it were like, how many people left on the, on the, that are still using the buffet? And I look out and see there's like four people. I mean, a few others going, yeah, it's about 10, 10 12 people. So about you put 10, a few more get pieces. A few more through. Yeah. yeah. And then honestly, then you just basically, you'd have to eat the waste, wouldn't you? So yeah, that's yeah. the one thing if the pizza, the waste was taken care of. Yeah, not a problem. No, don't you worry about that. Um, so one of the things I definitely want to get to talk about is, we've, we've spoken about being on sets there. I want to talk about Ted Lasso, mate, because Brett Goldstein is a good a good friend of mine, so I was always mate. excited about that before it happened. He's it's It's amazing to have watched him become this global s- superstar, but the show is so Brett to me. I know it's not just yeah. his show, but like Super Bob and things like that. Were so He's so good at writing that wholesome stuff that doesn't have... Yeah. Like I, Most of the comedy I enjoy is, is cynical. Most of the yeah. jokes I make will be cynical because it's kind of the easy route to go. But Brett's always been g- g- great at that and everyone in- involved in that show. But your Lloyd is part yeah, of yeah. the Ted Lasso s- cinematic y- universe. Like, it's kind of you, right? It is you. It is... Are you you? Do you feel yeah. you're you? Yeah. In it? I, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. And also going back to Brett and stuff, like obviously I was obviously aware of you f- from music, but then when I started doing comedy, I devoured Corner Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah so yeah. that's when I was like, so you and Brett in... in yes. Yeah. It's still online, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's on Vimeo. Online. It's all Vimeo. on Vimeo, yeah. So yeah, if anyone hasn't watched it, go and watch it because it's very funny, you and yeah, Brett. It's just good being, fun, man. Again, really good, just simple stuff that just, you yeah. know... So I was aware of of, of your acting through um, through through that okay. and then was aware then that, that, that Brett was doing acting and then obviously you follow Brett's, you know, life and stuff and then, then the next thing you know, we were doing this table read in, in a studio in West London and Brett's you know, playing like one of the lead roles in this is American sitcom. And so I was, uh, yeah, I was cast as a reporter, reporter number one, I think it was. And I was actually looking through the photos because when we, we when we wrapped a few months back, I was like looking at all the photos that I'd taken. And yeah, I was reporter number one. And then no one really knew like how the show would be perceived and how it would go down and stuff. Yeah. I remember that first day, the press scene where there's like uh, the scene with, with Jason when Jason first comes in and um, Hannah Waddingham is Rebecca, the, you know, the, 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 the club chair. And it was all kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then I just did a tiny bit of improv. Like, and no, like there are some sets where you don't do improv, but there was bits where the, Bill Lawrence was on set. So Bill Lawrence, yeah. the creator, you know, alongside yeah. Jason and Brendan and also creator of Scrubs. Yeah. And he was there. And um, they, they said, oh, can you just like react to something? To react to Rebecca's uh, sentence. And I just remember being like, 
<laughs> it's a bit harsh, isn't it? And then he's like, looked up. And then um, Hannah looked at me in a kind of like, as if she was telling me off. And I was like, Ugh. and she was like, what was that? I went, I just said it's a bit harsh. And then like did a really weird gulp. And then they were like, cut. And then Bill pulled me to a side and was like, hey, you okay? I was like, yeah. And I thought, oh God, oh God, I've gone above my station here. Like this yeah. is, this is awful. And um, both Bill and Jason were like, look, um, are you, you're a comedian, aren't you? I was like, yeah. They're like, are, we, are you happy to, if we keep that in? <laughs> Can we have that in? Can we do that again? But do it yeah. as a proper take? I was like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I think it was like that's maybe like amazing. the second or third time that we were in, Jason was like, you guys need names. You, I want to know who, like, and he, you know, it was, it was really interesting. I did a film, I did a, a drama last year with Russell T Davis, who is one of the best writers in yeah, the goddamn world, who is icon. amazing. But you do not change a syllable in that script. The script yeah. is the script, and you know whether you're me or whether you're Helena Bonham Carter, yeah. you do not change. That, that is, you know, and that's how he wins all these awards. Yeah. With Ted Lasso, it was very different. It was a collaborative piece. I mean, there were so many different writers, including. Brett Goldstein, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Phoebe, who is also uh, one plays uh, Coach Beard's other half. You know, there was, it, was, it was collaborative. And so there were certain things where, um, you know, Jason and Brendan were like, would we say that or would you say this? And so it just, it was great. So this, the, what, what, you, what you see on screen was very much how it was kind of acted out and, yeah. and, and performed. And I'm obviously a tiny little cog in this huge, huge thing, but it was amazing to be a part of it and not just feel part of it, but there, you know, but just feel like, they're like, would you say that? And you're going, oh, I, I probably wouldn't say that. I'd say this. And they go, yeah. well, great. Well, let's do that then. And then it would change. And like, oh my fucking good God. I'm essentially a Hollywood writer now. It's um, mad when that happens. Like, I, again, I remember the joke, first... That was a joke, by the way. Yeah, I'm obviously not no, a no, But it, I, I remember the first time I was on a set and someone asked m- my opinion on a line and it's like, what? Yeah. Me? <laughs> Yeah. Like kind of looking behind me to kind of go, and then you give it and it sticks, and you're like, yeah. wow, this is. And again, you're completely right. It all depends on how people work, and some sets that, that wouldn't be right on at all. Yeah. But on those ones that is right, it can be the most exciting thing because oh. you're you're playing, you, yeah, you're messing about and kind of making this work, and yeah, yeah. And I think what's really interesting as well, like, and I think you you, you see this. Um, especially with, with Ted Lasso that was, you know, ran, it was three series and, you know, you you create these amazing characters and, and you know, I'm talking about the main the main characters that are, you know, in, in episode in, episode out. So those actors then become the characters and Phil Dunster playing Jamie Tart is one of the best examples of... Yeah. And also as well, if I'm not sure if you've spoken to Phil, but very different to Jamie Tart. And right. you, kind of, you kind of go, oh, you're a brilliant actor. Yeah. I actually watched the... Um, Arsenal City game at the Etihad. Um, I went up there with a few friends, Rob Beckett, a few of the like, a man called Seymour, a man called Dom. But then also the Ted Lasso lot were there as well. So it was like Jason, Brendan, Jason's uh, son, and Phil Dunster. And so it was weird watching Jack Grealish on the pitch while sat next to Jamie Tart. <laughs> and then yeah. being like, this is a weird, weird world. And, you know, they, they, I think they get to a point where they know the characters probably more so than the writers might know the characters. Yeah. And I yeah. know that I've watched a lot of stuff on, on Succession recently and, you know, like Jesse Armstrong and, and Jeremy Strong talking about how, you know, and this isn't word for word, but how Jeremy were like, hey, I would actually probably say this instead of that. Yeah. And Jesse's like, I've created, you know, we've created this character and he's living and breathing it for five years. Yeah. Of course, he will have an inclination as to what they might say in that instance. 100%. And that's the key on that. I think, particularly on long running shows, 
The writer's job is to look at everyone and everything. His job, Jeremy's job, is to look at just his character and everything there. So they can get that greater focus on yeah. here's this exact thing that might work better or, yeah. or might be different. It's It all f- f- fascinates me, man. I moved into acting, like I've said this a, a million times, originally I thought I'll try it out for, out for a year. Yeah. Now I've jacked everything else in because it's all I want to do. Because I find yeah. all of this so fascinating. I think it's so yeah. amazing, the intricacies of it all. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, I love it. I, I, and I was really fortunate. I, you know, I, I got into stand-up because I just love stand-up. And I never knew I wanted to do stand-up. I watched stand-up on TV. And the first person I ever saw live was actually Sean Locke, who's one of my favourite comedians. And, yeah. you know, Jesus, we could do with him, on the, you know, around now. And I remember seeing him at Leeds Festival 2002. And we were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And they're not really doing anything until 2007 when I moved to London, 2008 when I moved to London. And then going to a comedy club and seeing comedy, like, and going, this is what I want to do. Like, genuinely having a realisation going, fuck, I want to do it. this. And at the time, like, I was a trained classical singer, do you know what I mean? Singing in various big things and... You know, I was about to go to music college and, and, and do postgraduate opera course. And I was like, nah, I want to do comedy. And then from stand-up, you do acting. Not everyone does it, but I was yeah. just lucky enough that I got a few parts and a few things. And I'm really fortunate in that I can, you know, I, I'm nowhere near where I want to be with acting. You know I mean, I've got a, a lot of ambition of, as to where I'd like to be. Um, I'd like to be Brett Goldstein. I'd like yeah. to have Brett Goldstein's body. Of course. Um, his hair. Um, it's just his whole, whole shebang, if that's okay. All of it. But yeah, I feel very fortunate, but it's completely, they're very similar, stand-up and, and, and acting, but just acting is such a Pandora's box of yeah. how you can make it work. And as you say, just like, just, I, I, I yeah, I just, I, I love it. I love just it. Just the I, amount I learn every set yeah. I go on, it's such a buzz. Oh, know? and also like, I'm fully aware, like, again, like I'm just doing bits and bobs here and there. You know what I mean? I've not really anything properly, properly meaty, but I just love being in the environment. Of just yeah. watching, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I did, I did uh, Nolly on ITBX last year, which starred yeah. a number of various people. One of which was Helena Bonham Carter. And you're there, and you're acting, and you're just looking at Helena Bonham Carter, and you're in your head going, "Ah, oh, shit, I'm at work. I've I've got to say something in a minute." Yeah. And you're going, "I've just watched Helena Bonham Carter for five minutes," and you know, yeah. and it's I'd, I'd pay to be in a room with Helena Bonham Carter, watching her act and f- figuring out how it works and how she kind of goes about it and stuff and. So yeah, I just count me lucky stars and, you know, just work me tits off. I've got two auditions to do today, which I can guarantee you I will not get. Because let me tell you, the amount of auditions I do, uh, I think this is a common thing as well that isn't spoken about. Yeah, The amount of auditions that you do, the actual jobs you get is minuscule. It's a tiny it percentage. Couldn't agree more. I uh, And again, I'm... I feel like I'm in the rare, and I don't know if if you'll be the the same or not, but I feel like I'm in the rare kind of area of that where, again, I I guess it's because I'm still green and because I didn't expect to ever get to be in this industry. I'm buzzing to, 90% of the auditions, I'm buzzing to just do that. Like, just to get to play about with his character and fuck about. I'm quite good at going, forget about it now, because you're never going to get it. It is what it is, like... Just have fun with that for the afternoon, and then yeah. and then on with your life. And I, I have a like I when I first started doing auditions, my agent would send me over the, the stuff, and my agent's assistant would send me over the stuff, and I'd do it, and then they'd let me know that I didn't get it, and I was like, oh, can you do me a favor? Can you can you not let me know that I've not got it unless it's yeah. something that we've gone like I've got a recall for, yeah, you know, yeah, I've, yeah, I've met yeah. with a director, then I want to know if I haven't got it. Yeah. But if it's just a self tape, if it's just an audition, can you let me know? 
unless there's anything specific that they've gone. Any specific you know, feedback? Yeah, fucking loved him, but actually, you know, we need someone less sexy, or yeah. you know, we need someone with a smaller penis. I mean, yeah. fine, yeah. but I just don't want to know, and that has helped me tenfold. So. You know, yeah. I'm doing these two self tapes today. I know that I'm probably not going to get them, but I enjoy working out the characters, figuring out yeah. what to do because it helps you, and you you do feel like you are learning. You're not earning money from it, and some of those you will do. But I'm like, I'll send it off and I'll forget about it. Yeah, and then it might be that then Carly will be like, oh, just let you know, they want a meeting with you. You know what I mean? They want to actually chat with you. And it, there's some where you just go for a meeting. You know what I mean? So it's, there's no, it's all. It's, there's no rhyme or reason and sometimes I just love going in and just hanging out with a casting director yeah because <laughs> this job can be quite lonely there was one a few months back I went in there ended up just chatting to the casting director and then I was like she's like right um, well, we don't even need to do the thing I was like what she went, we don't even need to do the you've, you've got the job I was like amazing we haven't done it uh, anyway it turns out I actually couldn't do the job because um, I had something else on So I uh, generally I had a self tape last week and they asked for the t- the scenes are slate, and they said, and do a separate video that's just a bit of an introduction about yourself. Yeah. And in that, I was saying exactly that. I was like, this is really nice because the bit I miss the most is not going in and just yeah. having a chat and hanging out with the casting director and having that, you know, yeah. get, getting that interaction and that relationship. So it was good to get to record a bit, just me going, all right, <laughs> yeah. here's what I've been doing. Here's yeah. who I am. And I think that is one thing that, you know, and I'm not sure we'll see it in a few years, won't we, as to whether actually films have got better or worse because of self-tapes. But, you know, for, for the listener that might not know about this, essentially since the pandemic, all auditions are, are, are self-tapes. Mm. It's very rare that you'll go into a room now. For the big, big actors, sure, that's what yeah. happens. But, you know, yeah. for the majority of us, kind of like minnows, you're doing self-tapes, you're sending them yeah. off, and then you see what happens. And, you know, you don't get that personality <laughs> through no. on there and stuff. So it's it's a, it's a weird one, but, you know. Well, I'm, I know time is of the essence, so I'm going to wrap things up, but I just quickly want to mention... You mentioned earlier Soccer AM being ahead of its time. And I think podcasts are one of the ways that's proved it because yeah. Soccer AM was pretending to be a football show. Yeah. And sure, it was about football, but it was honestly for a long time the best place for new bands, for comedians, oh, God, yeah. particularly when there weren't any other shows. I know in my music career, there were no other shows for my kind of level of band to go on. If you weren't at Jules Holland or Jonathan Ross yeah, level, exactly. there was no options. And Soccer Aaron was amazing at that. And I think podcasts have done that. I think Athletico Mints is a prime example of yeah. a football show that's not necessarily really about football. I think the Socially Distanced Sports Bar uh, podcast is another one that's a sport show that's not really necessarily... Yeah, like, course, you don't yeah. need to be into sport. And I think F- Fit and Proper is a prime example of that, oh, of just to show that. that you don't have to be into football yeah. to tune in and enjoy it. And I've not listened to it yet, but but this week's episode, as we record this, is with David Earl, who yeah. I brought up on my on my episode because I love David and yeah. his Grimsby songs and so on and so forth. But go and listen to the episode for that. But yeah... How is it doing that that podcast? It's a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Do you know what? Re- recently, so recently, I did some online content on a, on a, on a YouTube channel a few years back, and there was a, a, like a, a nice little bit of loving for it. And so, they're like, when are you going to do your own thing? And so, we just, we took our little time to figure out what it was that we wanted to do. And you know, obviously, we knew that podcasts are a really good way of just being able to access an audience that like yeah. you and that might be able to grow. So we just batted around a few ideas and we just came up with this idea of um, a, a fit and proper. So the idea 
obviously you've been on the show, but for anyone that doesn't know about it, you know, we interview people in the public eye that majority of the time are football fans, but sometimes they don't need to be. Mm. Um, and then after chatting for about 10 minutes as to who they support and why they support them, they then become the owner of the football club, usually that they support. And then they can then bring in their idea, you know, that their dream scenario as to how they run a football club. And I think about this on a daily if not hourly basis, as to how I would run Grimsby Town. So it's a, a nice little <laughs> fantastical world where you can come on, have a little bit of fun, because realistically, you know, that's not going to happen. We have had a few people on that actually do run football clubs. So Humphrey Carr, who does run Wrexham, and Spencer Owen, who does run Hashtag United. So that's quite a, quite a rare thing. But yeah, it's just like, look, it's just a little bit of fun. We don't take it too seriously. You know, any director that actually has to, that wants to own an actual football club has to do the fit and proper test which yeah. Humphrey has done. And so that's why we called it Fit and Proper. It's just a bit of fun and we've got some great guests in. But what we want to do, we do want to go into a space where we're getting people that aren't huge, huge football heads, but have just got beautiful brains who will be able to go, oh, actually, I mean... Come up with some is, interesting stuff, this, yeah. Yeah, I'd have a carousel going around the whole of the football stadium, do you know what I mean? Just, you know, yeah. you've got to get through it. Yeah, whatever it is. So we just said, you know, and David Earl's podcast was, was great. His podcast, I absolutely adore, My New Football Club. yeah. Um, so it was a, a lovely little melding pot the other day. So, um, but yeah, no, it, it's and yours is brilliant as well. Yeah, yours is really, really, really. Mate, and I the, we, have had do you more know what? I, and this is the thing. Like, how is that going? Will we get like a Millwall fan going? Our fucking dairy, Joe you know I mean? you know I, mean? I was ready for it. There was nothing. <laughs> nah, there was no, nothing. it was fine. I loved it. So it's. I think that's the thing. It's like, look, it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Let's not take life too seriously. And, um, you know what I mean? Praise people when they need praising. Mate, it's a beautiful thing. And on my daily kind of schedules, I always go out for a bit of a walk. I've kept that from the COVID days. I try and have my bit of a walk. And, and David L's episode is today's walk. So I'm very much, I'm very much looking what forward to it. But I'll wrap things up there, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. I feel like we could have talked for hours. As, oh, as I kind yeah. of said at the start, it's a weird one because it feels like I know you because I've yeah. watched you in so many things over the years and we've got so many mutual friends. But it was great to actually sit down and have a bit of a chat. Uh, it was, again, one of those things where Ruth's like, um, we've got Scooby's people coming on the podcast. I was like, oh my God, the OG, <laughs> the absolute OG. Um, and I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed this. And obviously, like sometimes, you know, with podcasts, yeah, I'm, I'm fully aware I haven't been like the most hilarious bloke in the world. But you, the questions that you've asked, you know, it's been quite nice just being, this has almost like been my therapy for the week. So, yeah, I um, love it. That's what th- we're here for. Thanks for listening to it. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Lloyd Griffith. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We had a lovely time rambling on on all sorts of subjects. Um, I've got a bonus episode out on Friday, actually. I was about to say I'll be, I'll be back n- next week, but I've got a little bonus episode for you on Friday um, about grassroots music venues. I think you're going to enjoy it. So... Um, Yeah, I'll see you in a couple of days. Or you might be listening to this on Thursday, and I'll see you tomorrow. You might be listening to this Friday, in which case I'll see you in a minute, pal. Get straight on. Lovely. All right, then. Well, I'll see you at some point. Um, Until then, stay safe and stay sane. Ta-ta.